And we're back for yet another episode of Mad About Hoops. I'm Timmy Hall. That is evil, bald Colin. He's got the head covered with a beanie, even in the studio. I think it's just because there's ice water running through his veins over what happened to the Butler Bulldogs yesterday. As we're rolling to you on Thursday, February 20th, that Butler-Seton Hall game did not go the way you wanted it to. No, this is... So last year, I had a team that was under 500 in Butler, and then I had a struggling Ohio State team. And now I have two teams that had high expectations, are still doing pretty well, but it seems like they just aren't doing everything they need to do to get to that. What do you want, perfection? Always. You always want perfection. (laughs) But no, the most important thing you're going to get out of this podcast today is we're going to have an argument over what Lunardi posted in his most recent ESPN Plus article. All right, well, just don't say anything irrational that's going to make some of the great Butler players or coaches not ever want to come on this podcast. I want to make sure that you and Laval Jordan will be good because what if, I mean, what if he, what if he needs an, another friend someday? You don't want to say anything that could make it so where you couldn't be his friend. You know in the what? Future. Another friend he could have is Thad Mata. Bring him back on staff and I'll be happy. <laughs> Bring Thad Mata back on staff or, or to just, just be know, an assistant just, coach. Just sidestep, take an assistant role. Do the John Beeline. Just step, step to the side, let Oh, Dad, come oh, in. Just, just take step, it over. Step aside for the good for the good <laughs> of the program. All right, we won't send him this opening of this uh, particular podcast. Much, much more college hoops talk is coming up. This is Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! He hit it! He, he, made it. it. he hit it just inside of half court! Leans on the other wing. He finds oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! And thank you so much for being with us today. Wherever you are, I hope it is as wonderful as it is here in Columbus, Ohio, here on February 20th, 2020. It is week 16 of the college basketball season as pretty much we keep our eyeballs on it from the moment we start this podcast. We are steamrolling towards March. And you know what, Colin? Maybe it's why I like the sport of basketball more than anything else, because I was born in basketball season. And all I want for my birthday today is a Buckeye win against the Iowa Hawkeyes. First off, happy birthday. And did you know you share a birthday with the Rihanna? Charles. Well, oh, Rihanna, oh, I was going. I was going with one of the best college basketball analysts that we've ever had in Sir Charles Barkley. I kid, I kid. He was forced into covering college hoops, but I do actually like him. Yes, Rihanna as well. That's a pretty good one-two punch. Rihanna and Sir Charles Barkley, the round mound of, re- of yeah, rebound. Yeah, that's not a bad mix at all. Yeah, that's pretty good. But the, I appreciate it. I appreciate the an, wishes. Another fact, I believe as of today, this recording is 24 days until Selection Sunday. <laughs> Where does it, you know me, it's my favorite day on the sports calendar all year, not Super Bowl Sunday, not, you know, something around the World Series, it's Selection Sunday, I'm such a dork, I'm so geeked out about it, 
I am happy with just a show presenting the official bracket to me. That's how much it gets me going. I would personally say the Thursday, the first set of games, because I think it just gets your juices flowing for what's coming down those next three days. But no, I agree. You can tell how much you really like something when you get upset when they tweak the format of how they do it one time, which is what they did when they released the seeds from 1 to 68, I believe, and then they... Then the two-hour fi- show you're talking they, about. Yeah, they finally the two-hour show. Which was ridiculous, and I'm glad they went away from it. But no, yeah, it's one of those things. It's, it's really interesting. When I was big into basketball, I was like a middle schooler, late high school, and Ohio State had all those good teams, so they were playing on Sunday, and they were playing in that Big Ten championship game. You come off of a win over Tom Izzo. You feel on top of the world, and you're, you're sitting there watching the TV in Whatever arena they are, whether it was Chicago, United Center, or whatever. Banker's Life, and or Cole, yeah, Conseco, I mean. They get all in front of the TV, and it's like, it's almost like the entire nation is watching this thing. It's kind of a cool feel. Yeah, I mean, and you've got you've got the Jim Nance effect, right? Hello, friends. Like, he's doing the Big Ten championship game. You know, you've got Jim Nance, and I guess, who is it now? That That's the one thing that I've struggled with, is that we haven't had, we haven't had that broadcast team together for very long once Billy Packer was done they I I wish they would have stayed with Clark Kellogg I really do I don't know what the yeah I agree I don't know what the feedback was coming back clearly it was to the it was to the point where they had to make a change but I was very sad about that because me personally I think Clark Kellogg is outstanding at his job he sees the game from different angles that I don't get from a lot of different analysts, and he is one of the more incredibly nice guys that you are going to, genuine guys that you will meet doing this job. Like, I I was upset. But Bill Raftery and Grant Hill, is that where we are now? The three, the th- it's sad that so. I don't even know that, like on lockstep, but I think it's the three-man team that we have now. I, I think so. I don't know for sure, but that's usually See, this their is crazy. Number, yeah, for guys like us. That's usually their number one broadcast team for college basketball. And I and I have liked them. I've liked Grant and Bill Raftery. He's a, he's a legend. He's a legend analyst. You hear him in our show open every single week. But that that's part of it. You get you get the basketball on Selection Sunday, and it's just that entire weekend of tournament conference tournament action. And a lot of people are here or there about that and whether that really should give the automatic bids. But whether it gives the automatic bids or not, it is tournament basketball leading right up to Selection Sunday. And then now you only have the one-day break before you go right to the first four in Dayton. And you are just... I feel like Selection Sunday puts you right in the eye of the storm, if that makes sense. So it's more than just the show, even though the show is what wins for me because I just want to see those brackets released. Because as I, I, we had Chris Holtman on the Buckeye show earlier this week, and there's a couple points to actually uh, give to you from that interview. But uh, we started off talking about how, for me, it's the month that captures the entire country. It is the best sports month. And the reason that I actually told him, anyone that tells you otherwise is a liar because there is no singular event in sports that more people participate in than the big dance. And CB, those are facts. No, yeah. Those are facts. You can't dispute that. I kind of like you said you get right to it right away. Like that bracket's out and it's go time. I mean, 
imagine you're sitting there watching it with your team. You're one of the last teams and you're watching yeah. it. And okay, Seth Davis, who's now going to be your biggest upset pick? And we're just right and into it. He's got it. it. Like, yeah. it's right he's away. got it. Five minutes. It's like Seth. Come on. You're not even five minutes analyzing the game. But no, I love it. It's just the content we all crave because that's what we want. We want the upsets. We want the crazy things to happen. We want the Cinderella teams, teams that can go from a double-digit seed to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight. It's just, it's such content that we want that once we get there, we're so involved with it. And it's like, you have a 24 to 48 hour turnaround. It just makes me, that, that fact alone makes me wonder how in the world, and you got to give credit to the coaches that do that, but they go from first four to what Shaka Smart did it with VCU. Oh, did make boy, those Shaka. runs. Yeah. I can't even imagine how hard that has to be. Shaka's the only one, right, that went to the final four from the first four. I think he's I'm thinking yeah. of the mid-majors that have pulled it off. I so, don't think George Mason was at the first four. Wichita State made it to the Elite Eight, I believe. That's not the final four. Well, you're right. But I believe you're right. The VCU is the only one that made it to the final four. And of course, Wichita State shut the door in Thad Mata's face, or it would have been three final fours. Yeah, I for Thad. That. Do you remember the furious comeback that Thad's crew made? Yes. Wichita State was was tapping them. They were tapping them good. Yeah. It was by 20, maybe 25. I remember I watched that game with my dad at the Red Robin here in Columbus because I had just moved to town and we didn't have any TV set up. We're literally moving into my house. And All there was the, no TV set up. No hate against Red Robin, but that's the place you chose that's to go watch the game. I, I was new in town. All right, <laughs> get off of me. It was right. It was right there. No, that's we fair. actually had the entire bar to ourselves because who's gonna right? Who's gonna be there to that's watch basketball? That's also a really good point to, to put that into perspective. Sitting in a bar on that Thursday or Friday and watching all the that's games on the screens, you cannot beat that yeah. moment. Like I've done it a couple times in school. I would go down. I believe I went to watch one of the big Dayton upsets in the tournament down at UD on campus. And let me tell you, those kids know how to party. Do you remember the bar you were at? I'm like, uh, I believe it was Milano's. Milano's. Yeah, so it's a little Italian-style bar. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, But no, just being in an environment where it's like you got, this table is a fan of Pitt. This table is a fan of Duke. Like, it's, there's just so UNC much diversity. Table. Yeah, yeah there's, Kansas there's so much table. diversity in those environments. It's so fun to watch all the games going on. Someone will say, oh, there's an upset going on this TV. It's like, there's so much going on. You got to yeah. process it. Yep. If you are if you are listening to us because you're a fan of uh, what we do at the radio station here at 97.1, the fan in Columbus, pay attention because we will have a lot of stuff going on for viewing parties and things like that. That will be announced here shortly. So stay tuned, pay attention. We'll, we'll update it uh, here on the podcast. Hey, if you're an out of town listener and you, you enjoy the pod travel into Ohio, watch the games with us. We can still, we can still get it down. It might be a football state and a football school, but we can still throw it down for some March madness watch parties. Well, we have done them before and we will do them again. I'm telling you what now Cleveland's going to be hopping because some of the matchups they could get and teams that are coming in. I know Lunardi's got like a mixture of like, well, if Dayton's um, up there, Dayton is a two seed Michigan as a seven on another side of our bracket. You got like, Butler versus Michigan State in a 4-5. Like, it could be really fun, some of the games. If you can find a ticket to go to up to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and watch those games, it's going to be fun. That's the See, that's the ultimate thing to do. The You mentioned just being at a bar, finding yourself somewhere. If you can't afford tickets or you don't have something convenient that's within, you know, a two or three hours drive where you can maybe get a couple days off of work and take your son, take your daughter, whatever, go with the wife, best friend, and uh, actually go and enjoy – that that is 
there's nothing better in the world for me than when you can block out a couple of days, get some tickets to some sessions, and then you have that watch party viewing experience in between days when you are in one of the towns that has live basketball. So you get the daily double of watching 12 hours of basketball with whoever, you know, whatever people you enjoy most in this world going with them. 12 hours in an arena, and then that Friday, you could just hang out all day, go and get some food, get some wings, pizza, beer, watch in the bar, and then you you all know sort of as a crew, everyone in that place, we're all going back to the queue or wherever it is, whether it was nationwide here in Columbus last year when uh, they had the games, which was awesome. There is nothing better. I, I think anyone out there who's a diehard college basketball fan that has the extra cash Make sure that you do whatever you can to go and get some tickets and go to these games every single year. Yeah, I did it. Man, it was a couple cycles way back when I was in like middle school, but they had a a site here in Columbus. They did it nationwide, and it was like Draymond Green senior year, so Michigan State was playing there. There was a 7-8 matchup. The games were kind of okay, but it's just... It's really funny because you can get the buzz, and when an upset's happens, happening somewhere else, yeah, because they'll start people starting to leave the aisles and they'll go up, and there's always a TV that's on that upset and up in the uh, alleyway going into the the arena. And I believe that year was when OU Ohio University upset in Michigan, the Sweet Sixteen and run I, for I, OU. Yeah, yeah, and I was in the middle, or I was at the arena when that game was happening, and it felt like everybody just was so focused on that game on that TV that. Michigan State and LIU Brooklyn came second to them, but it's just like it's such an environment that you can't really even explain in sports because it's so unique to everything else. All right, Colin, uh, really uh, one of the things that I wanted to pick your brain on as you were telling me before the podcast, this is something maybe you've never heard this idea before about March Madness, about the NCAA tournament, and how to maybe sort of thin out the selection process and cancel out a large group of teams from even getting in. We will take a quick breather and evil bald Colin will have more on that and where he heard it. That's next. Stay with us. It's your favorite college basketball podcast. Mad about hoops. It seems like the common theme we hear every single cycle when we get close to March Madness, all the bracketologists, all the people interested in bracketology seem to want to start this one narrative that the bubble is always weak or the bubble is awful. The bubble is not up to standard. seems like we've had four or five years straight where people want to say that. Well, it's the bubble. It's the bubble for the reason. Isn't that the definition of the bubble? It's teams that are struggling. And they're fighting for their lives. You're they're right. not necessarily the best teams in the field. And tell that the Syracuse the year they went to the Sweet 16 where they were a 12-loss team, beat Dayton, and then made a run. It can happen. but It can yeah, happen. I, I, get, yeah. I get the point people want to make. But it's really interesting when we get into topics which Joe Lunardi, who's one of our favorite bracketologists, went into. He's the bracketologist. <laughs> he is the bracketologist. He went He's into, the Papa Bear. Yes. He went into a, a discussion or kind of like an argument with himself of should we have stipulations or rules or I guess guidelines or how do you qualify for the tournament as an at-large? Mm. And more importantly, What's what, he are, getting at what here? are some stipulations? Like he wants the biggest thing is that if you're a major conference team, Big East, 
American, I guess, ACC. All, big 12, all, all the Big, big 10, ones. yeah. If you don't have a conference record of 500 or better, you're not technically qualified to make it as an at-large in his opinion. So he, he should be. He should wants... Be. He wants he wants policy change. Yes. Like a hard line approach. You will not even be in the conference room for discussion if you are under 500. 500, you're good. Then your entire resume gets looked at. But under 500 in conference play, you're out. See, that's really wild. I've never even thought about that as a college basketball fan. I certainly don't want to toy around. Not at this stage. I'm not there yet. I've got all this noise now about the NFL wanting to expand the playoffs. Right. And CB, I think that's ridiculous because when has anyone, ever since they were a kid, had any kind of issue with the format of the NFL playoffs? It's perfect. It's awesome. And with the tournament, we added a few extra team to get the play-in games. I've, I've been okay with how that's gone. But overall, I don't want to... I don't want to double this field and make it something crazy. I know that college basketball I'm is a massive right where we yeah, are. If anything, right there. if anything, we should have a discussion about trimming down the size of the division because sure. I mean, it's over 300. I mean, we could be able we could get this thing down to a 150, 160, find some of the conferences that really could have another one of their own divisions and then they could have a much more competitive style of season, but I never thought in college hoops about the the 500 in conference thing because I have always thought about it in college football. It's always been my personal yes. opinion that you should not go to any bowl game if you don't at least get to 500 in conference play because you can just schedule week if you're an eight-game schedule. You can schedule four cupcakes, and then you only have to leak oil to two wins you could essentially then be two and six. Oh, two and six in your conference, and you get rewarded with a bowl game. But anyway, that's that's wild that Lenardi's saying that. I I don't strongly oppose that right off the bat. I don't strongly oppose it, but I do on the forefront. That's my first You do regularly my, my oppose first, it. <laughs> my first impression is that I oppose it because I don't think it's I get the point he's trying to do. He's he's trying to involve more of the mid-majors that are getting 20-plus wins but don't have the strongest resume. But well, just, I, just say it. You think that – But I, you I, still think that those under 500 – like, take the Big East. Take the Big East this year, I think, would be the example that lives in yes, your brain because I, you love that conference. Yes, I'll give They're you this. They're very competitive. They're strong, tough, bulldog type of teams. You can't sit here and say that Xavier – if you played 10 times, they wouldn't rough up a team like Davidson this year, who is a fringe 500 team. They might wind well, up being uh, above 500 in the A-10, and therefore they sure. would be in the qualifications, right? My bigger comparison is I want to go to, like, the SoCon. So the SoCon has about three teams that— the real, Southern. The Southern Conference realistically has three teams that could make the tournament, and you wouldn't really complain. Eastern Tennessee State— uh, Furman, UNCG, UNCG, and the Hornets. Furman. They're yep. all twenty-plus win teams that are playing really well. Have some decent wins, and quite honestly, would deserve a spot if given it. But if you're telling me they're playing on a neutral court against Xavier, you think they're going to win? I'm. I, that's the perfect. See, that's I the perfect example. I don't example. think that's right. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. I, but his biggest argument is that it's not about always at that part of the bracket where you're picking teams 67, 68. Maybe not about the most 
talented or the best team, but the most deserving team, which I guess I understand, but I'm of the mindset as I always want the best 68 possible. Obviously, you got to take into consideration the automatic qualifiers. You're not going to actually get the best 68, but I like to try to keep to that process. You know what? I Yeah, so let's let we're, we're both in agreement then. If we're sitting on a committee or a if we're a, a board member that gets to rule on this and it's just down to a simple voting process, the vote's going to be a, a nay for me at this point. I agree. There's just I appreciate the idea and the thought behind it because you're you're trying to fight for the little guy right there, but I'm more with you. I think we need the committee. We need the eyeballs. We need to just be able to sit down and look at these teams and look at what they did in the non-conference and study. Is is the conference just a, a grind? Is it just a grueling conference? Exactly. And does that have more to do with it other than them being a bad team? Yeah, that's exactly the best way to put it because the other argument is this, if you stick these teams like Furman in the Big East, are they not going to get mauled? Oh, my God. Yeah, wouldn't they be murdered? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, Furman. I mean, DePaul is 1-12. And, and DePaul in is that a conference, de- they were a good yes. team. They were, what, 11-1? and one? I, I actually was shocked with that because I fell off of the Blue Demons. They're 13-13 and 13 overall, right? They're 1-12 and 12 in the Big East. And the team that was looking bad was Providence at 10-6, and six, and they're now 8-6 and six in the conference and in the top four. Like it's yeah, they're fifteen it's, and twelve. It's it's a rough conference. Fifteen and twelve overall. And if you're telling me that Furman's gonna do better than what Xavier's doing in there, I'm sorry, I gotta disagree with you. And look, like this is this is just the way that it goes. Usually, most years, like we, we've had some of these super teams in the last decade, decade and a half of college hoops. You think back to some of Cal's Kentucky teams, mainly, right? The one that had Anthony Davis on it, the one that went undefeated for so long. It usually appears to have we've got teams that are in the mid 20s at this point in wins you'll have a handful of teams that are just trucking through their conference even the major conferences so mowing down top competition and you'll have a few you know 23 and ones 24 and twos Seton Hall just for example, is viewed as one of the best teams in the country, right? They're considered a, that, a three seed. Yeah, a team yeah. that everybody loves, and they're nineteen and seven. You know, they haven't even hit the twenty win plateau yet, and they're at the top of the Big East Conference, which is, I mean, I, I do think other than the Big Ten, and it, you have to judge it a little bit differently because it's a smaller league. Sure, but pound for pound, that's one of the toughest. I mean, Georgetown's. Georgetown's a nice team. They're, St. John's is a nice team. They're on the bubble, one of the last four in, I believe, currently. But, yeah, no, it's... And that's 80% of their league <laughs> if you have Georgetown in. Eight of the 80%. Ten. That's incredible. But, no, the, the last thing I think is really important when you're talking about this, this discussion is that it almost completely will devalue someone's non-conference slate. Because if you're telling me this this Ohio State team, I mean, I hate to admit it, sure. but realistically, they could finish like a 9-11, and 11, and you're telling me that would discredit them when they have wins over teams like Kentucky and Villanova and whatnot, and you want to keep them out for a UNCG? Yep. No, yeah. that's ridiculous. You know what? It was, it was a decent idea by you, Joe. We always have to look to be forward-thinking, and we appreciate the ideas. That doesn't mean that we have to act on all of them. It doesn't mean we have to stand still forever, but... It's going to be, as as Randy Jackson famously says, it's it's going to be a no for me. He's on, the right, he's on the right path, but I don't yeah. think his criteria is the right one to go with. And 
we trust that Joe will keep doing his projections in seed lines <laughs> without that in the back of his mind. I sure hope so. That is not something that's in place right now. So even though you are doing the projections, you got to keep doing it as if under 500 conference teams will have a rightful spot in there if you truly think they're one of the best 68 teams out there or looking at the at-large criteria, you know what we're talking about. All right, we'll take another quick pause, quick breather, and there's a little situation in Columbus, Ohio, where we are, that has just gotten really interesting this week with one of their star players, if you don't know about this story. So we'll touch on that. We'll tell you what is coming up this weekend that you have got to pay attention to. Oh, my, my, is there a big one in the Big 12? Stick around. It's Mad About Hoops. So today, as of this recording on Thursday, we have some very interesting news, especially with what's transpired in terms of talks the last couple of days about, you know, would maybe DJ Carton show up to the game Thursday night at Iowa to see the team, you know, not obviously not play, but to see the team and see these guys and whatnot. And maybe by the time you've heard this, the game's already happened, you would know that. But we already had expected and Coach already confirmed that that wouldn't be the case. But a little bit came out on Thursday afternoon that he actually is going to be returning to campus yeah, on Friday. Yeah, so to, to, to go back just a couple of days here, CB, and for, for fans that don't know, DJ Carden is a – Really terrific-looking point guard for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He is going to be a reason that this team stays around the top 25, like in Chris Holtman's early years as Ohio State's head coach, the former Butler coach. DJ Carton looks like he could be a special, special player. Looks like maybe it was starting to look like this season that you might get him for this year, a rapid improvement, as a sophomore, and then bye-bye. Like, it was starting to look like that. I think that's what we assumed. Yeah, sure. and we, we thought that coming in, and he maybe had more ups and downs as a player here in his freshman season as we had hoped to see because there was a lot of opportunity for him on this team. But he had the game against Northwestern, road game when Ohio State badly needed a win, and he was awesome. I believe he had 17 points. He had an incredible assist-to-turnover ratio. His field goal percentage was 60 65% or something like that, and he was just making plays. He was facilitating. He was slashing. Remember, he had that tip lay-in where his head was actually under or behind the backboard right. when he put it in. He had a dunk in that game. He was amazing. And then right after that, right after he had his best performance, he announced he was stepping away from mental health. So we all had to take a step back and – it was stunning. It was shocking news at the time because we just we, we see what we see. You know, we see a guy on the basketball court and it's tough to know what's going on with everybody's life. But we had to take a step back and be really understanding of that. And Chris Holman handled it so well. And there was nothing but support from the team for DJ Carton. And so fast forward to just this week. It's been a few weeks and this is just an ongoing thing. Like you're going to within reason, ask for updates as we go along. Because right at the start, there's no timetable for this thing. There's no set begin point and set end point where this is a three to five week recovery time. Doesn't happen like that. But two days ago, I had Chris Holtman on the Buckeye show here in Columbus. And when I asked him a couple questions about DJ Carton, he was more 
he he was more of the open door or I guess not open door, but it was more of a I don't know type of approach for that interview. Like it was he wasn't closing any doors, but it was really an I don't know. And we just sort of spoke openly about how we treat that situation, how he's never dealt with that situation before as a coach and how we both kind of talked back and forth of how glad we are to be living in a time where we're more understanding of that. Fast forward to yesterday at his press conference, Colin, and I'll see if I can give a little bit that. This was a really short version of if DJ will be back this season. I'm hopeful that he, that we can get him on a path towards, towards health, towards improved health. That's the only priority. You know, I think obviously we're late in the season, so you can draw your own conclusions on that. How'd you read into that one? And a lot of people read into that draw your own conclusions quote as that was almost sounding like you're closing the door on DJ playing basketball this year. I think you could do that. I'm not necessarily doing that because kind of I'm kind of drawing a connection from all the comments he's had on it to this point. And it kind of makes me feel like he he doesn't want to say too much because it's not something really he feels like he needs to speak on. He's going to let DJ do that when he feels comfortable enough to do it himself, which I think he can do once he starts when he returns to campus on Friday and he can kind of dictate obviously after he, you know, reacclimates himself to the college scene cuz again, he wasn't just away from the team, he was away from the campus and school and everything. Like this is a big step coming back. And, and you know what I do? I do actually give some cushion there to how we dissect exact words when you're talking about someone who has the microphone in front of him a lot. And to be perfectly honest, sometimes it's just stuff comes out and it's really you figuring out just how to form your sentences and how to fill time, if that makes sense, because you have so many different media obligations within a week. He just did an interview with me on the radio show. He does... Tim Horton's coffee with a coach with the network guys. He does post-game press conferences. He does a midweek press conference when you are getting ready for a game. And there's a lot of questions that are going to come his way about DJ Carton wanting the updates because he is a big-time basketball player for a big-time team. And the other one from yesterday, too, was a it was a very short question and answer just about will DJ play in or be at the game tonight. This was yesterday. No, no. I, I think there's, you know, there, there's, there's a lot that has to happen before that's even in the conversation, um, you know, medically and in terms of overall health. So I, I no, that's, that's not even been uh, consideration. And again, you might. So think- the second part of that was about coming back to the team in a playing aspect, correct? Well, all right. The clip you just heard that was about tonight and that's what I want to make very crystal clear is because that did sound sort of closed door mentality but remember folks he was just talking in that last clip about tonight's game which yes that would be baffling to think of a guy racing back being gone from the team for several weeks now and then just showing up and being right back into playing capacity. Oh, of course that, not. That could not no, happen. No, no, no. So you had the right approach where, and even that first, the, the first cut that you heard was the question of, do you expect him back this season? And he still, he didn't want to, he didn't want to give any definitive answer either way because you just don't know. And it's like I said on the show yesterday, and you're right to say it. 
you still, however something might sound, try not to read too much into it. 100%. Because I think he's he's trying to speak from the heart on this kid, and he's trying to speak to realistically when he chooses to come back, there will be a time frame of I don't even know what that is. It could be different for for each player, each person. They want to make sure that he's healthy because mental health is something that matters just as physical health does. Yeah, I, there's no way he can give a timetable. So when you keep on asking him that, of course he's going to be a little bit more vague in that because it's ultimately yeah. it's about the kid and when he's ready to do it because he cannot speak on w- when that process is going to take place because it's not going to happen until DJ's ready to come back, which I think then, once we get that confirmation of he's not just on campus, he's now trying to get back into the rhythm of things with the team, that's when you'll get more answers into that. So, yes, I don't agree with reading too much into it. There is something to say if you're a listener from another another fan base outside of Ohio State, another conference, the way that this has been dealt with here, I think, is exemplary. Oh, absolutely. The way that the staff has dealt with it, the way that the teammates have, even the way that the fan base has dealt with it and losing a good player like that when the season was starting to spin out of control. And I do think it's something that has to go in in a basketball sense and how we judge Chris Holtman with this team that started 11 and 1 and was a click away from being the number 1 team in the country, one of the uh, many that held that mantle and then lost it. They were right there. We even argued on this podcast. You can go back into the list of episode titles where Ohio State deserved to be the number 1 team and I was arguing them over Louisville at the time. And at the time, I stand by <laughs> at the time I stand by what I said where the resumes were at the time. Clearly now Louisville has turned out to be a better and more consistent team. That, yeah, Jor- that Jordan Nora guy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but he, Jordan Nora, completely off topic, but Jordan Nora has been the most inconsistent player in America. But I know it's really been their complete team. Yeah. And Chris Mack's a good coach. They got a good one there and getting the guy from Xavier. All right. So, Evil Ball Calm, before we make it a wrap for this week's edition, we send you guys into the weekend. Of course, tomorrow is going to be Friday. I'm sure you're going to have a a laundry list of Ivy League games you can divulge on a Friday night if you get on some of your streaming services, maybe even a little on regular TV. But nothing, nothing is bigger than the Saturday matchup in Lawrence. Nope, sorry, in Waco, Waco. Texas. Would you like to take a guess? Kansas at Baylor, baby. Noon. The price on StubHub to get in lower level. For Kansas at Baylor. Yes. Is it still easy? It's, it's no. Okay, 130. It's my guy. I I saw John Rostin tweeted out that it's close to a grant to oh. get in lower level for this game. Oh. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, Scott Drew said this is one of the most anticipated games in Waco since he's been there. Number one versus number three. And Kansas already had the Big 12 streak go away. Imagine if it was still intact. And you had this race at the top of the Big 12 because I believe Whoa. Kansas also has won you know, 11 or 12 games in a row. It's I mean, you you go and look at yeah, their schedule. They have not lost right. in a long, long time. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, what? Baylor's won. Baylor hasn't lost since the second game of the season. Against the last place back 12. Yeah, and you, and you hammered them for that loss. Unbelievable. But no, <laughs> yes, that's the headliner. But man, we've been talking the past couple of weeks how maybe the Saturday and Sunday slates have been lackluster. It's not the case this week. How about BYU being a ranked team now? I know you're looking at that one, 10 p.m. Saturday night. BYU with Childs and TJ Haas as a duo. Watch out for them in the tournament as maybe a 5-6 seed area. 
Now, I don't know how it's going to work up to how, you know, which teams play on which day. It's going to have to obviously be opposite of, I think, their day's Saturday, so that they can't play on that. Um, but they're a really big yeah. team to watch out for. That conference in general, the West Coast Conference has been improved big time. Of course, you've got anytime Dayton plays. They're a top five team now. They have a home game against Duquesne. So it's another one that they just, you got to keep rolling. You got to keep winning to make sure that seed line stays intact if you're the Flyers. Xavier's got a big one. You mentioned a team that's mm. just below 500 yep. in Biggie's play. They've got 12th ranked Villanova coming there uh, coming there to Cincinnati to the Cintas Center at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. I believe in the last yep. 10 years, they're in the top five in terms of home court advantage, in terms of Win per, winning percentage at home. It's a great place. Yeah. It's I, I've heard. I, I know people that are season ticket holders. I've been to a Bearcats game. I have not made my way down to Cintas yet to catch the X Men, and still I need to, to do to that it. Butler game last game of the year, first week in March. Okay, I'm trying to. All right, all right. How about uh, I keep? I am eating up Roy Williams' tears this year. I really am. But doesn't, I, doesn't I feel bad for the players there too, but I love seeing Roy continue oh, to act man. like a baby every time they lose. It's something else. It is pretty fun, isn't it? And they're way under 500. I think but this would be the game that solidifies they're under 500. They're at Louisville. They should get whooped Saturday but at 4. But this also feels like a game where they could be sneaky. I mean, they have the talent. I don't know. And Louisville has been They do have Cole. Cole can do it, but Louisville has been very inconsistent. There was a two-game stretch where Jordan Nora had seven combined points. Like, this is a team, wow. when they're hot, one of the best in the country. When they're cold, this could be a team that could lose the first weekend, getting an upset. Like, it's they're a very scary team if yeah. you're trying to put stock into them. I think Louisville will win the game, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it. The only other two games for me that I would say, I'll even throw three in there to definitely pay attention to, on Sunday, you're going to have two matchups of uh, two ranked teams, yep. Maryland at Ohio State. That's at four, and same exact time, also four on Sunday on FS1, Butler is in Omaha Creighton's a, at Creighton. Creighton's a dark horse Elite Eight team. I, I think they're that good. They're, they've been young, which is why I think teams people have kind of slept on them a little bit, but get to know the name Tyshawn Alexander. He's one of the best guards in the nation. He's one of the best in the Big East by far. And this is a team that can go really far because they play really good offense and their defense is picked up. Our Ohio fans, too. Cincinnati has got to beat Wichita State <sighs> at home on Sunday after dropping the home game to Central Florida. Oh, the, wound the, up going to double overtime and Central Florida got it, got that thing done. A crazy game. Yeah, the, the Americans are really tough. They're in a tough position right now because you're talking about one team that's obviously going to have to make it as an AQ. But then you have some bubble teams like Memphis. With Precious Achua and that squad, they can't make the tournament. That's really heavy on Penny Hardaway if they can't do it. And then you have Cincinnati, who's been very inconsistent, but they lean on the defense like usual. They're getting a little bit more offense from the Cumberlands and whatnot, but yeah, it's just it's not a very good stretch, and you can't lose in double overtime like that. All right. I can't wait for all the action tonight. And throughout the weekend, we'll be back next week to break it all down. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Please do... Give us an email if you have any questions or more things you want heard. You can get us at madabouthoopspodcast at gmail.com. That's madabouthoopspodcast at gmail.com. Or just write something in the review box of whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on, and we will see it. Again, uh, if you've got friends that love college hoops, refer this to them. 
Tell them to just simply search up Mad About Hoops wherever they listen to their podcasts, and we will be there. Updates coming at you once a week. We really do appreciate it. March is coming. Colin, have a good one, man. You too, Tim. Can't wait to watch these games. All right, guys. We'll see you next time.